Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Because Hanukkah doesn't have that same joy and festivity that Christmas has, <laughs> I've always had this stuff, these bad thoughts in my head about Santa. Like, when I think about him, I want to hurt him. I want to hurt him, and I want to make him feel pain, and then I want to dress him up like a rabbi. Uh, with the hat, the taluses, throw a Torah in his hand. Stuff that was bugging you. Yeah. Either you worked it out, or... You just forgiven yourself, and you've said, "Look, this is who I am." I like that, so I can just accept the fact that I want to cause Santa pain. It's okay; it's just a part of being Jewish, right? You're still trying to figure out who are you, how do I live, what's my code, what's important to me, what's not important to me. Right? Maybe it's not that important that uh, Santa Claus gets dressed as a rabbi. You're trying to figure out how do I act right. And you're sorting through all kinds of contradictions. And, yeah. And you know, by the time you get to into your fifties, hopefully a lot of those have been resolved. You've come to terms and come to peace with some stuff, and then uh, some stuff you've just said, "Well, you know what? That that's just who I am. I, the uh, I've got some flaws. I've got some strengths, and uh, that's okay." That's a healthy way to look at things. You remember when I attacked that Santa Claus in the mall through somewhat of a haze? I mean, it was college, so. Yeah, I really uh, ruined that family's Christmas. G, 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 take me away. G, 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 take me today. G, 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 Such a funny sound, isn't it? Welcome to episode three. Yeah! This episode we've got comedian Brandon Scott Wolf. Funny thing happened with him. He came to record this podcast, and then very soon after leaving, he got a network writing job with NBC. Yeah! 
He's going to be writing on a new TV show with Neil Patrick Harris called Best Time Ever. Pretty cool. You know what that means. means he came here and he spoke into the wand of success. Because these microphones, they're magic. That's what I got out of it. Yeah. This episode's a little different than the other two. Because this one had a lot more laughter. And it's silly. And I hope you enjoy the show. Write to us, thegaryhour at gmail.com. I think we got to some neat places here. Enjoy, Matt Kaplan, me, and Brandon Scott Wolf. so professional oh good if that's your volume you're number four oh, i hear you this is perfect that's what it's for is there anything fun that i need to do to open up the podcast we've we've opened it up we're here we're this now. is it yeah okay because yeah. uh i have a podcast you know anthony o'connell at all very funny comedian i know the name i don't i probably know the face but we have this podcast it's called always been silly where we talk to comedians about their silly stories throughout life. Mm-hmm. And we open up our podcast by having the comedians who are guests say, Hello, I'm, I would be Brandon Scott Wolf. I'm a comedian from New York City. Yeah. And you are listening to the Always Been Silly podcast. I'm here with my hosts. And then I would introduce you guys. That's cool. It's a yeah. very silly, fun, kind of backward start to a podcast, but it's good. So it works. What's the, what do you talk about? What's the, um, uh, we talk about three things. It's a half-hour podcast. One is a comedian's earliest, silliest memory. Okay. The second is the silliest memory of that comedian like in their entire life. Like the one story that always stands out. Like if you're at a party and you're like, oh, I got this great story to talk to you guys about. That's the one story we want to hear from you. And then one selfish wish. So it's not like I want everyone to be like healthy in the world or peace across the planet it's like oh i want to be able to have my own personal driver that like i don't have to pay but they're like my best friend and they'll show up whenever and take me wherever i want a totally selfish wish a very selfish a a realistic wish do you guys have selfish wishes I like how you're turning it into your podcast. Yeah, this is what's happening right <laughs> I'll just now. Give you the, I'll just give you the files, and you could just upload it's it. It's going to be perfect. We'll get it all edited up. We'll put it on iTunes, Stitcher. People are going to love it. Everybody loves Everyone has a selfish wish, right? Who doesn't? I, I guess that just at its simplest, I would love to have lots of money and not have to work for it. See, that's the one we're always like, no, nah, yeah. we oh, can't, can't do that one. you got to go with something up. like fun, like teleportation. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know... Learning, being able to fly would be pretty amazing. I would love to be able to just flap my arms and fly anywhere. We had Alexis Guerrero on the podcast yesterday, and he said he wanted to be able to fly. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, he's a, he's a little heavy set. Is that why? No, he, he's a creep. He said he wanted to uh, <laughs> stare into people's windows and watch what they're doing from afar. And I was like, all right, get a telescope. That'll That's, be fine. Some binoculars. I relate to that. But also, like, the freedom, you know, if, like if you've ever ridden a motorcycle, you get the sense of freedom. Right. Um, must be it would be great to be able to fly i'm surprised we haven't figured that out yet that we as a humans being able we to fly. get closer to iron man suits every week i'm pretty sure there's people working on it i hope so because yeah. you can fly you can do so much uh, the early days of that there are going to be so many accidents oh it's going to be awful yeah 
we were talking about Alexis. We brought this up a lot. We were like, well, you want to be the only one who can fly? What if everyone can fly? And he's like, no, there's traffic. You don't want to contend with that. Right, right. Kind of like the uh, Futurama tubes. You ever see the opening credits of Futurama? Yeah, yeah. Where they're all in those tubes and they're going through the city. Right, yeah, but yeah. like it just is a traffic jam. They're like, well, we can't go anywhere. Yeah. What they could do is like uh, the same thing they're doing with the automatic driving cars. You know the automatic driving cars that they're working on where like you they won't ever hit each other because they sense where all the other cars are? It's like a bumper cars almost, so they'll know like a foot away and like, oh, we can't exactly. go anymore. Yeah, like the new cars, they have the little sensors when you get near something, it beeps. I mean, it's, it's old technology, and if we just harness it in a new way, we would, could fly. Would you want to have a self-driving car? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I mean, I use cru- when I'm driving, I use cruise control as much as I can when I'm on the highway. Is that because you want to focus on other things, or is it because like you just don't care about driving? Like It's too much work. It's a great time to take a nap. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can't take a nap with cruise control. You're still, <laughs> you still got your hands on 10 and 2. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I use cruise control just because it's more relaxing, you know, to just not use those. It's so exhausting, the little muscles in the ankles. I mean, ugh. Do you, do you have a car in New York City? I don't, no. You don't. Do you I have don't. a car in New York I, City? I don't. So when I do get the chance to drive, I like driving and I want to drive. But I suppose if I am doing it every day, I might be okay with letting a car do the work. Where where have you guys, when you do drive and you're in New York City, do you go out to do gigs? Do you go out for family? What, why why would you drive? Because I don't drive. I, I don't. You know, it yeah. would be a matter of like, you know, my, my parents live on Long Island, so maybe I'm out their place for the weekend and I drive to the supermarket to get something for my mom or something like that. But you don't drive? You don't have a license? I have a license. Okay. I just haven't driven. I went home to visit my family this past weekend and they were like, you really should drive. You haven't driven in a year and a half. And I'm like, well... They're worried that you're going to forget how to? Is that, right. Yeah. But it's like riding a bicycle. Yeah. It's operating another. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like riding a bicycle, it is, yeah. right? Yeah. I think it's, it's probably easier than riding a bicycle, but it's way more dangerous. You know, you can take out a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I, I would rather get, this sounds really stupid. I think it would be more painful to get hit by a bicyclist mm-hmm. at high speed than just like a car that's driving like 20 miles an hour. I think you're wrong. Do you know how awful it would be to get, like, <laughs> looped into, like, spokes and whatnot? You would get mangled. There's another body that's flying over you. It would, it would be a mess. Both would be painful, I feel yeah. like you would lose fingers. Like, digits would be cut off. But if you get hit by a car, you're just rolling up on a hood, and you're like, I broke my ribs. Have you ever, sucked, seen, but have I you ever seen someone hit by a subway? No, I haven't. I saw the body, like, this guy, he jumped in front of the L train, and, they, you know, I, I was out on First Avenue, and they brought the body out. And they didn't cover his face, but like the blanket, he was on the stretcher and the the blanket was covering his body and like his ribs were sticking up, like little parts of his body, there were just like different spokes, poles sticking up out of his body. He looked so mangled. Like he exploded. Yeah, like his just ribs were just like spread out like chicken wings or something. And his face was exposed like i was right there and i saw his face and he just looked like probably some sort of chemical unleashed in his head and he was just in this state of bliss like his eyes were open like he was happy yeah yeah like probably you i don't know what the brain does when that happens but probably just fills you with serotonin or whatever that chemical is that makes you deal Mm -hmm. with trauma or he was just happy that uh life was over he lived though. Maybe he, he was lived. Happy. Yeah, he was. He's, he How lived do you know alive. he lived? Poor guy. Because when you're dead, they put the thing over your. 
over your head. Maybe over your it was face. just a lazy day for them. <laughs> is that is that really it? Like with, like a mailbox, like the old mailboxes when you put like the you, you pull mails the arm in up, or yeah, mails yeah. out. Yeah. So yeah, it's like guys alive, face exposed. Yeah, when they really? when they bring you out on a stretcher. Yeah, if you're dead, they cover your face. If you're not, that's how you know. Were oh, they rushing kind of... him out, or were they like casually yeah. like, all right, well. They we'll were get rust- him in the ambulance in time. They were rushing him out. And, uh, I, like, you know, when you see a body, like, or a dead body, he looked alive to me. You know, have you ever seen a dead body? I don't think I've seen, like, a freshly dead body, but I've seen a body at a wake where it's, like, been like, done up and, like, right. painted up and yeah. ready to be shown off to a family. And, and that's, a, like, a Jewish. You're Jewish? Jews don't do that. Really? My so, family's Jewish and they do that. Really? Closed open, coffin. Open, they have an open casket. I thought that was such a non-Jewish thing. Is it? I, I mean, think so, My yeah. family's reformed, but... My family's reformed as well. <laughs> my mom, my dad, they're always like, oh yeah, we don't do that in Judaism. Really? Right, because I was I, dating a girl years ago. Her grandfather died. I went to the funeral and I was like, yeah, his body, it was just out. It was open. We could like walk by it. People were like yeah. saying, he looks so good. And I was like, he's dead. Yeah. I don't want to look at him. He looks awful right now. It's re- But like when you, when you see it... And you see their face, you know right away that it's not alive. Mm-hmm. And it's because, like the whatever the human spirit is that makes us appear alive. It's, it's the sparkle, the twinkle in your eye. You're like, oh, there's a human in there. Yeah. It, do you know you're Jew too? Yeah. I th- I think with that, I, I don't know. At the ceremony itself, was the the casket open, or was it just a viewing where before the, the ceremony a, you were able to take a look? Yeah, it's before they put them yeah, in the ground. Yeah, I think at the ceremony itself, it was probably closed. That, it's saw, usually the wake, like beforehand. Yeah. They have people come into a church or I suppose a synagogue, and then they sit you down on the chairs. I, I know they're called pews in churches. I don't know what they're called in synagogues. Me neither. I'm a I think terrible. they're called pews. I think they're called pews as well. Also, that's a non-denominational so. term. I feel like I remember myself cracking up at that as a child. <laughs> Pew? Yeah. yeah. So that uh, must have been at, at temple. So Pew, people, yeah. you know, usher you in, you get to look at the body, and then they drag you out to the cemetery, and mm-hmm. then they're like, all right, well, time to go on the ground. What do you, yeah. what do you think of that, the open casket viewing? I think that, personally... I wouldn't want myself mm-hmm. to be viewed like that. How do you want to be buried, or how do you want to, how do you want your body to be dealt with when you die? Typical burial. Just yeah. put me in the box. Have a picture if you want of me, where people are like, "Well, that was him when he was twenty-five." I, this thought only very recently crossed my mind, but like the thought of being claustrophobic. Like, imagine how claustrophobic it must be in that box. You're in a tiny box, and you're buried underground. Yeah, that, that sounds awful. it's awful, right? But you're dead. It's like when you're asleep, you don't know. I, I think I used to want to be buried, but now that I've had this thought of claustrophobia, I'm like, you know what? Just burn me up. Just so you'd me. rather be cremated? Definitely. Yeah, and spread but that's my ashes. frightening. You're more scared of having walls around you than being put in fire. I think so. I think so. Just because it's it's permanent. It's forever. What about a Bin Laden funeral? You just throw him in the sea. Throw him right in. Oh, that's pretty good. And let the, Dump you. Let the sharks eat you. Yeah. Well, that's frightening as well. It is. There's no good way to deal with a dead body. If you were an American shark, would you eat the body? Or would you say, I'm not eating that. That guy's a terrorist. Or would you be like, I'm going to eat it up? Uh, uh, probably sharks don't care. They don't care? Yeah. They don't have country. 
No? Mm-hmm. No, there's no affiliation with sharks. Huh. They're just sharks. Yeah. That was a great question. Yeah. Though, and I really <laughs> I, appreciate I, it. I, yeah. I feel, I, feel like, uh, I feel like a shark just does what a shark wants to do. Yeah. It also like, can't blink, right? Sharks don't sleep. They don't sleep. And they can't move backwards. Those are my shark facts. Really? Oh. How do they don't sleep? No, they can't close their eyes. How long did they live for? I'm not sure. Two days. That's really that's all you it. can that's do. That's it. Yeah. It's like uh, a fly, yeah. you know, only lives for a bit, has a fun life, you're done. Well, it's like Keith Richard brought this up in his autobiography because he did so much cocaine that like everyone else would be sleeping, so he'd be up all the time. So he says that he lived, he's lived more life than most people. He slept one third of his life less than everyone else. He's also crazy, arguably. <laughs> but he does have a logical point, right? Like He's up more, but yeah. he's also desensitizing himself slightly with the drug abuse. So he's more than leading slightly, yeah. a different life yeah. Right, yeah. than most people would lead, because he's always probably tweaking. Right, but then you get into like the question of awareness and desensitizing and who's to say... I mean, there's plenty of people that are not on any drugs that are just going through life in a routine kind of way. Do you ever feel like you're in a routine? Yeah, I I practice conscious awareness. That's like part of my spiritual practice, just like being aware and being grateful for things. That's like part of my... I try to keep up with that every day. But I notice, you know, people that are very busy, maybe they have kids and there's just too much. I think you have to shut down sometimes. Or I, go on autopilot. I feel like that's the car driving itself. Mm-hmm. Going on autopilot, just saying, all right, these are my surroundings. I'm going to enjoy my time right here. I'm not going to worry about what's going on outside. Mm-hmm. I'll get to my destination when I get to my destination. This is me time. And are you living when you're doing that? Are you taking in life? It depends. There's active and then there's non-active. That seems much more non-active, but it also is active in different ways. So you're active... Uh, when it comes to your breathing, if you're eating something in the car, you're doing different activities, but you're also inactive when it comes to driving. Because when you're in a car, if you're not a passenger, the main activity is that you are driving. Yeah. And so are you in control? Are you driving? You're in control when it comes to eating the Skittles that you picked up at a rest stop or drinking the Big Gulp that you also picked up at that rest stop. But Right. Or is the passenger living more of a life because he's got more brain free to use his imagination or one of my favorite things to do is being a passenger in a car in the front seat and falling asleep during the car ride even though you're not supposed to does that make it more exciting for you like you're you're supposed to like support the driver it's just relaxing yeah i think it, it reminds me of being a kid yeah and you're going somewhere with your family like a party or whatnot and you just kind of doze off for a little bit you just kind of get to escape and do your own thing. So being in the front seat more than being in the back seat. Well, I was car sick as a kid, so I usually stayed in the front seat. Yeah, you'd get car sick only in the back seat, right? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Like with certain drivers, if they press the gas on and off and they're not smooth with the pedal. I need to get distracted. I need to listen to music when I'm in a car. I need to be able to see out a window clearly. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it's just like, oh, well, I'm sweating again and I don't feel well. I should probably vomit. <laughs> Have you ever vomited in a car? I have vomited in a car. Uh, I was with my dad and my cousin, and I think we were going to a post office, and then I just vomited all over the front seat. And I was in the front Uh, seat. I just think it was hot in the car. Yeah. 
something. It was a mess. How old were you at the time? 12, probably. Did you have to clean it? I think I helped, yeah. Yeah. It was my vomit. Yeah. Well, at least you, at least you knew uh, well enough to not roll down the window and vomit out the window. Cause oh, it would spray back. It would be worse. Yeah. yeah. I've had that happen. When too. did that happen? What, what happened? My, uh, my ex-girlfriend had to throw up in a car, and she rolled down the window, and it went all over the person in the back seat. <laughs> did it just go like, right on his face? Did it go through the back window or her window? Same window right back. It didn't even go out of the it car. Just, it just the wind blew it right back the at wind that person. Right back in his face. Oh. How upset was that person? What, what happened? He took it like a champ, I got to say. Yeah, he was, he was uh, like, it's fine, you're sick, don't worry. Yeah, he was very, he was quite the gentleman about it. That's very nice. Yeah, what I was in the vomit? What was eaten beforehand? Um, it was a little bit chunky. Mm-hmm. Your digestive juices really should be the ones breaking up those little chunks, those little chunklets, right? You, you guys all want to vomit now and check out? <laughs> I would love to see what I have. I yeah. just had two slices of pizza. Yeah. Oh, that's had probably... a healthy slice and an unhealthy slice. feel pretty good about the day so far. One thing I learned is that, uh, you know, our digestive juices are supposed to do the work at breaking it apart. So you're actually supposed to not drink after you eat. You're supposed to drink before you eat. And then you eat. And then you let your digestive juices attack the food. But you eat and then you drink at the same time because that's natural. That's like norms, social norms is what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah, but it's, it's like for our digestion, it's not a good social norm. So do you do you drink before you eat usually? I, yeah, I try to chug like as much water as I can before I eat. And then you then go I'll to eat. town on the food. Totally, yeah. Because I've eaten a lot of meals where you just eat it without a drink, and you're like, mm-hmm. all right, this is fine, but then you want water afterwards. Then or... Exactly. But if you drink the water first, you won't want water afterwards. I need to drink more water in general. I went to my uh, doctor's for an annual physical a couple weeks ago, mm. did the whole urinalysis, and mm-hmm. she was like, you are going to develop a gallstone in a few years. Like, you need to drink more water. Oh, Matt had a gallstone. How was that? Yeah. What happened? Was that a gallstone? Uh, yeah. I mean, I had... This is very interesting stuff. I had, I had gallbladder sickness, mm-hmm. so I had some gallstones. Um, and is that from not drinking enough I think water? That, did you say gallstones or kidney stones? She said gallstones. Gallstones. What's okay. the difference? Um, They're both. I from thought not- I thought kidney stones was the one from like not having enough water, but I could be wrong. As far as like, gallbladder is usually just it's just unlucky. That's it's, how you get someone to genetic. Drink. Brandon just drank some of his water. Yeah, I just <laughs> drank water. I'm like, all right, well, I need to start doing this. You'd start talking about posture. The person will go like, sit up straight, start talking about water. You begin paying attention to those things yeah. because, yeah. wow, now these people are talking about it. They're going to look at me like I'm not drinking enough water. That's the inner monologue right now. <laughs> you were being judged. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Look at me. I'm going to have another sip. Uh, this is amazing. It's the healthy podcast. <laughs> You can also drink What is oil. the name of the podcast? I don't even know what it is. This is the Gary Hour. The it's Gary Hour. 45 to 90 minute podcast. Oh, I'm glad you like the name. <laughs> and you're uh, the Andy Richter. I am the Andy Richter. You're the sidekick <laughs> who the is sidekick. also adding and having a lot of fun. Exactly. Thank you for picking up on that. That's phenomenal. Yeah. That means I'm doing a good job. So right now you've had a handful of guests. Yes. We've had a bunch of guests. Um, mostly comedians. Uh, we had a therapist. Who was the therapist? Was it your therapist? uh, No, it was neither of our therapists. It was a friend of Matt's, an old friend of Matt's. Um, And it was super freaking cool because he was very open about everything. And it really felt like a therapy session. It was great. I need to drink more water. uh, (laughs) I'm having these uh, ginger ale burps. That's what uh, patented Hanson's Natural Cane Soda. 
Ooh, the Gary Hour brought to you by Hanson's Natural uh, Cane Soda. Nice. Mm-hmm. For Burps. For a sponsor right here. Oh, I would love to get a sponsor. I think I'm going to actively seek out sponsorship. Why uh, not? As you, a person? Yeah. As always, well, an individual. Yeah, of course. You could That'd do that. Right? Yeah. I mean, get people tattoos. do. Yeah, people get tattoos. Yeah. People, all sorts of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, would you get a tattoo if Lay's was giving you, say, one, the free tattoo, a lifetime supply of Lay's, and an annual income of $5,000? No. No. No, no, no way. What's really? your price? I, I would need a lot more money. Like, where is the tattoo? Wherever you want. Uh, Someplace visible, like a visible. wrist. 5, like, it just 000? says Lay's. I think I need more than 5000 a year for it. I am so in. Yeah, I could get a Lay's tattoo for, for $5,000. I don't have to think twice. I'm so in. Until, until you die? It's a company that's not going to fold. If it does fold, you'll get the laser removal. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I think I need ten grand a year. Why ten? Why is that the eh, It makes price? me a little more comfortable. Just in case if everything <laughs> else in my life goes wrong, at least I know I got that Lay's 10 grand to get that sweet, sweet Lay's money. But yeah. you're also getting uh, unlimited food. I guess I'd be food. living on, on Lay's. A- any Lay's product or just the... All the Lay's products. You got the okay. cheeses. You got okay. the dips. You got okay. the... So I could live on that. and you, it, yeah. You'd be wildly unhealthy. Yeah, very much would. so. It would be good for them because I would die soon and they would only have to pay right, that's 10 grand a, That's for what they're years. banking on, honestly. This, this is what they're doing. Uh, yeah, I think I need the ten grand. The ten would be nice. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. I get by as a bartender at UCB. Mm-hmm. That's primary income for me right now. Nice. Is that your only job? Right I do now? a little bit of freelance writing. Okay, cool. But if I got like a real solid TV writing job, or I was on TV, or got a serious XM deal, if you just gave me $50,000 a year or $100,000 a year, I would start living like a millionaire. Mm -hmm. I know. I feel like I don't need that much money to live. Like, my things that make me happy. Yeah, we're in New York. Like, the things that make me happy don't cost much money. Why do these people need all this money? What are they doing? I was on a podcast called Making Ends Meet a couple months ago. My mm-hmm. friend uh, Tova Silberman runs it and uh, yeah. Max Ash, who is a great comedy writer at UCB. Mm-hmm. And it's just all about how comedians scrape by in New York City. And they're like, what do you splurge on? And I said halal food. And they're like, <laughs> $5 halal food? I'm like, yeah. It's like the one thing that I'll like buy for myself, and I'll be like, I love halal. Because yeah. all I do is spend money on food and mm-hmm. occasionally beer. And then that's it. Yeah. This is going to bring us, because I do want to talk about the dating Brandon Scott Wolf sure. website. But that's my biggest cost is when I'm dating. Dating D- is Dating's like, expensive. It's yeah. expensive, yeah. And like whenever, whenever I have a girlfriend, I'm always like, can we just go to the wearing sweatpants watching Netflix phase, please? <laughs> oh, that's like several months in. That's yeah. that phase that you have to do all of the, I'm a good person please like i'll wine and dine you like mm-hmm. now can we lay down and just like wear sweatpants and watch netflix yeah and just stay inside and enjoy each other's company you know that's when you know you found someone good is when they don't need to be wined and dined and treated to all this stuff dating is tough i have that website datebrandonscottwolf.com yeah i want to talk to you about that there's a lot of people who have created profiles and they're all over the world, and so not many of them are in New York City. Mm. And so right now, I'm talking with a girl who's in Austin, Texas, Okay, and she just made me a cross-stitch. Do you know what a cross-stitch is? 
Is that like yeah. some like a knitted sweater? You know the little artsy. Um, they're in small frames usually. Oh yeah, yeah. And they say something. Friends are yep. forever. Yeah, yeah, friends are forever. Yeah. Uh, she asked me what I wanted on my cross stitch, and for some reason it came to mind, and I just sent it to her. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio has been overlooked by the Academy for far too long. That's what you wanted. That's what I wanted. Yeah. So. Two days ago, I got it in the mail, and I bought a little frame, and I hung it up. She actually did it. So she did it. She sent it my way. Wow. It was nice. I don't know how I'm going to, you know, make this relationship or whatever this is. How do you parlay that into, like, right. a marriage with children? And Well, one, she lives across the country, <laughs> and I don't have money to get on a plane. She doesn't seem to have money to get on a plane. Mm-hmm. And so you just kind of... I guess talk with these people, see where it goes. Maybe there's someone who is in New York. But at this point in my life, I made the website as 100% gag. And then people started honestly creating profiles for it. Yeah. Do do some people not realize that it's a joke? Oh, yeah. A ton of people don't. They don't think it's a joke. There are some people who don't know it's a joke. There's some people who took it very seriously and they were like, Hey, this is my situation. I'm here in life. I just got out of prison or my dad just passed away and I'm like looking to connect with someone and they're very serious about like finding now, a are person you getting, to share life with. That's so I mean, I'm not surprised because a lot of times people don't get the humor but are you getting men and women? Yeah. On this thing? So you're getting all kinds of how many people have sent in profiles? Right now it's over seven fifty. Over seven hundred and fifty. Wow. And it was like a big spike at the beginning just because it was getting global coverage. It was on like Australian news channels. It was on Irish radio stations. It was in Japanese newspapers. And I could see if a Brazilian metro would publish an article about it, that day I would get like 30 Brazilian women to create profiles. Right. And you're like, why is this happening? And and I could research it and be like, oh, there's the article. That makes a lot of sense. That's awesome. And so there have been people I've um, talked with. There's a few people that like I haven't reached out to, but they say, like, oh, if you come to Germany, I will give you a place to stay. I'll mm-hmm. show you like a really fun time, and I would love to go on a date with you. Have you gotten back to every, se- every person of the 750? No. Honestly, the woman in Texas who I'm talking with is one of the few that I've reached out to. And there are a handful of people that I've gone on dates with in New York, but... I pretty much knew that they were real people. Like Mm -hmm. one person worked at a pizza shop near the UCB where I bartend at and I met her once and then she made a profile and I was like, oh, this girl's interested in me. I will message her back and see if she wants to go on a date. How do you know? All right. Well, this is a two part question. How do you know if they're serious and then how can you take them seriously as a partner if they don't even get the joke? Well, they do get the joke. See, the thing is, it was completely a joke. Right. And then profiles started coming in. And I was like, oh, this is no longer a joke. This is a reality. Like, it's a joke that has become reality. Right, right. Which I think is the funniest thing in the entire world. And if someone gets that it's a joke and they're still like, hey, this was a really funny site. I think you're a really handsome guy. You seem to have a great personality. Yeah. If you're free, I'd like to go on a date. That's someone I would want to reach out to. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you've gone on a few dates with these people. Yeah. And how is there anybody that has gone on a second date? There are a few people I went on uh, two or three dates with. Nothing like where it's like clicking that I'm like, oh, it's time to get down on one knee and propose to you. Yeah. And it's been a lot of fun. 
Um, more people have been creating profiles. Someone from Florida created one the other day. A uh, person from Oregon created one a week ago. And, like, I can see them coming in. Like, I'll check the site that I have it set up on once every week. Man, there's got to be a way to keep the keep the publicity of it going. Make a, a you know, a follow-up story. That's the thing. A lot of people are talking to me, and they're like, you should make a Date Brandon Scott Wolf web series, or you should do a documentary about Date Brandon Scott Wolf and actually film the dates you're going on. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how you had a Tinder date come here and you yeah, know, do, a do the podcast pod- session. Yeah. yeah. But maybe we should do that. You want would you would you do a podcast here as a Tinder date? That's the thing. I feel like it's the perfect joke the way it is. And uh-huh. if you do any more to it, it'll water it down. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense a little bit? Where like it was so positive. You go on YouTube right now and there's all these views, there's all the people that have created like comments in the sections that are just like, this was a great idea, this is really funny, I like this a lot. Yeah. And it's helped out my comedy career a good deal where people right. are like, oh, we know Brandon Scott Wolf from DateBrandonScottWolf.com. Right. He also has these other writing credits. He's been a comedian for five to ten years somewhere in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. This is funny. Mm-hmm. Do you now, call it a gag? Do you call it performance art? What do you call it that you did? I don't think i've ever put a label on it yeah i was trying to explain it to to somebody i'm like i don't know i i kind of think of it as like performance art like funny performance art it's more so a smart way to package comedy Mm -hmm. so i don't know if it's performance art i don't know it's kind of it's a bit i mean what i think is interesting is that it was a joke mm -hmm. that became my world yeah it's I have something hanging on my wall right now that a person in Texas made for me. Yeah. Because I put myself out there in a joking capacity. Right. Well, that's also part of the reason of doing a podcast, too. Just putting yourself out there with any art form. You know, you're making your art, you're putting it out there, and you're hoping people are listening. And Of course. Yeah. And I, I think that the only reason that the site did so well is because I packaged the joke that I had, because the joke was something I just said off the cuff one day. Yeah. I say a lot of things just off the cuff, and then I think about them for a month, two months, a year, and I go, you know what, that actually is pretty funny. I should do this. Yeah. It was something I just said off the cuff, and then all of a sudden I was like, you know what, I'll put this on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And then I posted it on Twitter. It got a bunch of favorites. And all you had to write is, oh, I wish I had my own personal online dating site called DateBrandonScottWolf.com. And then a year and a half later, I just wrote, here's DateBrandonScottWolf.com. Yeah. And then people were like, oh, this is just a sketch, but it's also packaged in a website, and it's making fun of OkCupid, Match.com, Tinder, yeah. and it's just ripping them all apart. At the same time, everyone's like, oh, this is really relatable, and I wish I did this. Right, yeah. I'm so sure it's like those aha like moments there there's a bunch of it's not cool though like where an idea comes from like you said it just came off the cuff mm-hmm. but like where did it even come from it just came out you know i love that it's like so when you write jokes and you write jokes as well correct uh, write sketch yeah. you write sketch yeah. whenever i'm sitting down and i'm like i need to think of a new joke mm-hmm. anytime i have that mindset of like i need to think of jokes i don't Nothing. write any jokes i know there yeah. are no jokes yeah you just need to live your life, have things pop up, and you go, oh, this reminds me of that, which reminds me of this, and now I have a good joke. So mm-hmm. do you sit down and consciously try and write jokes? Because no. you don't. 
You just wait for the ideas to hit you. I can. Like if I am writing jokes for SNL for Weekend Update, Mm -hmm. I will be sitting at my computer. I'll have a bunch of setups that SNL provides for me, and then I have to come up with the punchlines. So I'll sit there for a few hours and be like, okay, I need to write jokes. These are jokes. Here they are. Let me work on this. Right, because it's an assignment. Yes. Okay, so you, all right, let's talk about So you've, you've written some jokes for SNL's Weekend Update. Right. So how does that work? They, they send you a certain subject? So they will send me all of the setups. Okay. For the week. Mm-hmm. They'll send me setups Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and by Thursday at 4 p.m., I will need to send in a certain amount of setups with the punchlines. What do you mean setups? So news leads. So they will say, uh, what's something big in the news this week? The Republican conven- uh, debate that just happened. At the Republican debate, Donald Trump said that he only calls... Uh, Rosie O'Donnell, uh, fat, ugly, and stupid, and not any other women. Right. That would be the setup. And then I would try and come up with punchlines to jump off that. Right. Said Rosie O'Donnell, or said other women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the joke. Yeah. So they give you the premise, and you give them the punch. Yeah. And the only reason why I'm contributing to SNL, and I've been doing that for three seasons, this is going to be my fourth if they have me back, it's another idea that I just blurted out. Yeah, how did that, what was that? I was living at my parents' house after college. I Mm -hmm. was working as a busser at a restaurant, and I would clean tables and whatnot. And I went home one night, and I was scrolling through Twitter, and I was sitting in my bedroom, my childhood bedroom, in my underwear. And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, my life's not going anywhere. This isn't (laughs) what I wanted. And I noticed a lot of people had in their Twitter bios, contributing writer to Saturday Night Live, contributing writer to Saturday Night Live. And I was like, oh, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, I wish SNL would just hire me. So I looked up Hire Me SNL to see if anyone had that handle. Mm-hmm. No one had it. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to write jokes under the name Hire Me SNL. Nice. And then they took notice, and yeah. I talked with a producer, mm-hmm. and they gave me a tryout, and it was great. That's awesome. That reminds me of uh, Josh Gondelman's uh, Seinfeld. Modern Seinfeld. Modern yeah. Seinfeld. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that's a, just a great idea. What if Seinfeld uh, was going on today? Mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. a lot of it. What, what I really like is figuring out how to package jokes. Mm-hmm. Like the dating website, oh, if you're going to make fun of dating websites, you should make a dating website. Mm-hmm. If you're going to try and get hired to write, set up punchline quick jokes, mm-hmm. what's the way you can do that? Oh, Twitter. That's a thing that everyone's on. They're yeah. all going to look at your jokes. Mm-hmm. And so just figuring out how to sell yourself or whatever you're trying to put out there is always just interesting to me yeah i like how you write like your your even your stand-up is very concise well thanks yeah it's very like the joke boiled down to its essence you know it's very cool that way we live in the twitter world the add low attention span world yeah you want to you want to get it out there you want to have your joke be fast quick mm-hmm. now i talk slow on stage mm-hmm. and that's just the style but yeah they're very quick jokes mm-hmm. there's six word jokes ten word jokes yeah and just move on which is you know it's admirable because it's not easy to write a good joke and yet it's so quick it's just a brief moment of time and it's gone now i like i like the style of joke writing i do the way i tell jokes on stage and i've been thinking about this for the last couple months i want to get to a point where 
I can be on television and I can do a late night set or have a half hour special on Comedy Central mm-hmm. performing the way I perform jokes now. Yeah. But how incredible would it be in five, ten years switching into like storytelling mode and then doing it all over again, uh-huh. but with a wildly different... Well, that's kind of how I think of Woody Allen's early stand-up. You know, like the, the classic moose. Oh, I love the moose joke. Yeah, the moose joke. It's just like story, but it's joke, joke, joke. Like every two lines, there's another. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't right Hold now. it in. Hold and our current faves. In. Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Another joke in there. Well, he's a phenomenal writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's uncommon for comics to change their style at some point. Uh, yeah, that's so I, think, I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, doing what you do well right now, but at some point you probably need something for yourself because you, to keep you yourself know inspired. you can get people to yeah. laugh at this or that. But if you can switch it completely on its side, you have a lot more fun with it. Yeah, that's know? why I think it's admirable what you're doing because it's just boiled down. Right now, I'm working on like it's almost at four minutes. It keeps expanding as you know, writing jokes. It starts off like why I don't make much money, then it goes into my childhood, then it goes into my father being a Buddhist, and then a Christian scientist, and it's like this whole, it's turning into a story of like how I'm ending up where I am. It's the story of Gary. It's Yeah, it's my story, and it's like there's a joke every like three lines, and I love the fact that I can keep expanding it. You know, and it's like it really can go on and on. Now, would you want to put together like a one-person show? I never thought of that in particular, but it's totally possible. Once you have the boiled down essence of the jokes, you can kind of do anything with it. Right. A lot of my jokes, I would say, are surreal Mm -hmm. or um, not as grounded as a lot of people's materials. Mm -hmm. People just talk about, my father was like this, Mm -hmm. but I'll say like, my father was a piece of pizza, like something like that. And it'll be like a sentence and it'll kind of make sense. Like, you'll get it. You'll be like, that's a joke. I get it. But at the same time, you're like, that that's not right. It's because like I, I will follow acts that they're like, oh, I'm paying for my son's child support right now. I'm like a father who's not in his life. And then I'll go up there and I'm like, I tried to sneak a microwave into a movie theater. And it's oh. like, you clearly didn't do that. You're an <laughs> idiot who's making up dumb falsities. Some absurdist yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's refreshing, especially if the comic before you was a downer but it's also probably you have a lot more room 
a lot more places to go with those kind of jokes where as as compelling as personal humor can be it could be similar to other acts right yeah. like i have jokes where i talk about eating dinner at a professional hunter's house i have jokes where i'm a nascar driver i have jokes where i'm talking to mole people like it's just all over the place it's not very autobiographical no right but i do have small glimmers of what's going on in my life and honestly it's refreshing because now it's like very that's the style is very autobiographical there are a few comics that i perform with or i've seen around on like youtube things like that people from la who i haven't had the ability to like work with or interact with yet Mm -hmm. and they're also very good at like the one-liners they do stuff different than me obviously i do Mm -hmm. different stuff than them but there is a little bit of the old classic like setup punchline joke writer out there still yeah yeah that'll always be here a lot of the comics that i see today are more autobiographical storytellers my mother was like this when i was a child and i grew into this i enjoy that i am you know a fan of this team why do you think that is the style now i think a lot of it has to do with people like mike berbiglia who Mm -hmm. he's funny he's charming he can put a great story together and people want to be able to do the same thing Mm -hmm. people want to be able to go on stage and say here is a beginning middle and end story that's loaded with jokes yeah and it's all about my life because you get to go up there and you get to talk about yourself and everyone's favorite topic is themselves pretty much it's therapeutic yeah you get to go up there and you say hey you guys like me for me thank you for listening i really appreciate it yeah but it's also it's so funny because that's also the style in TV. Like reality TV is bigger than ever. Even hip hop music, it's all autobiographical. It's like I don't know how or when it started. I kind of tend to think John Lennon was like the first autobiographical songwriter. Like the Ballad of John and Yoko. I don't really know of songwriters that were singing so specifically about their real life. It's modern celebrity. Yeah, and that's also tied in with the obsession with modern celebrity and like people like Kim Kardashian who are celebrities for just being a Kim cel- Kardashian. Yeah, it's the odd thing. Kanye West is Kanye West because he says, I'm Kanye West all the time. People are like, I want to be around Kanye West. Kanye West, he's Kanye West. But at you least keep he- saying Kanye West, and you're like, I love Kanye West. <laughs> Kanye West is the best. We're going to change that to Brandon Scott Wolf. I'm Brandon Scott Wolf. Hey, I have no, but- Brandon Scott Wolf already. That's, uh- but you're, you have an art form. You know, you write jokes. Kanye West writes music. Kim Kardashian... And he's phenomenal. Kim Kardashian's now married to Kanye West. Yeah. But she's also a model. She makes perfumes, and all of this came because she's Kim Kardashian. I guess she's a model. Maybe that's her art form. Also, she was born into a wealthy family. Her father was Robert Kardashian. He was Mm -hmm. a lawyer. He worked on the O.J. Simpson trial. A lot of uh, spotlight on that. Right. You get a reality show. Yeah, people are obsessed with. I don't know how. If I don't know if I'm just pontificating, but I don't know if it's like tied into the autobiographical style that's happening now. But it seems to coordinate with television and reality shows and hip hop music. It's everyone. Our culture is just about sharing personal stuff, and that's what you know. Social media is all about, mm-hmm. and I think yeah, it shows up in in all art, in all a lot of art forms. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't mind the world where it's like we have to share everything i think that's kind of refreshing for people to be able to say oh i'm going to this movie this is my opinion on it yeah everyone has a voice now which is nice 
granted, you don't have to pay attention to everyone's voice. Well, you can just move on. Like, yeah. I'm not watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians, but right. people like the Kardashians, they're going to have nine spinoffs. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I think people used to be like, oh, that's too much sharing. I'm not sharing too much. And I think what, at least what I'm coming to realize is that not that many people care. You know, it's like people, you can share all you want. Everyone can share. Yeah. Everyone can share. There's only so much you could listen to or take in. It's less special. It is. It's less special. And I don't know. It's a change in culture, but, uh, someone's got to be watching, you know, like the Periscope app. Yeah. The people who are watching are the government and, uh, <laughs> I'm on a list for saying that just now. Probably. That's what's going on. Yeah. But like everybody can't be periscoping their life. No, of course not. Because <laughs> not everyone's around Wi-Fi, and it eats up your data plan. Oh, it's so hard on the it's data. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I can't even periscope because I have a droid, so I have to meerkat. But I don't meerkat. Is, uh, that's like the... Periscope is iPhone only. Okay. Oh, yeah. I like the new technologies, though. I like seeing that, like, mm -hmm. oh, now there's a window into my world. I can talk to you about anything. I can sit on a park bench and discuss what I think about uh, fascism or I can sit down and talk with you about my favorite uh, ice cream flavor. Yeah. And people, people want to hear that. Yeah. Before I forget, how does it work with contributing to SNL? So do they pay you per joke that they take? Do they pay you They flat? will pay you, I believe $100 per joke that they use on air. Okay. Now I haven't had any of my jokes go on air in the three and a half years. Um, but I've had jokes go to dress rehearsal and they will email you and say, hey, your joke was in the top 15 out of whatever 2,000 jokes we read this week. Right. Sorry it didn't get on air. Thank you for contributing. Mm -hmm. Can't anybody be a contributor then? Like, I mean, they can't look at everybody, but like... I don't know how many people are contributors, but I want to say it's probably around 15 or 20 total people. And okay, I think it's great. just the folks that they are kind of grooming for like tryouts in future years yeah so if there's a comedian here that they like or a comedian in la that they like they're gonna say oh we're gonna give you a chance to contribute jokes so for the first two seasons i was only allowed to submit five jokes per week i would write hundreds but i was only submit allowed five. to yeah why they just don't want to deal with that much content right yeah. and so there's a tier system i believe where it's five jokes or 10 jokes or 15 jokes. And I think once you're at the 15 marker, they give you legitimate tryouts to be an SNL staff writer for weekend update. Is that, is that your, one of your ultimate goals? It would be great. I would love doing it. Honestly, my ultimate goal in comedy is to have fun and mm -hmm. produce as much solid content as possible mm -hmm. just to entertain people. Yeah. So not necessarily just stand up, but any. I would love to have a television show. I would love to write for movies. If I if I was head of Comedy Central and I said I want you to have your own television show, what would you what would you pitch? What would you do with it? Right now, I would probably pitch something along the lines of. Is that too much pressure? Or no. Did you already have an idea. No. Okay. Good. Uh, I would probably want to pitch something along the lines of like blank Brandon Scott Wolf. And it wouldn't be just date. It would be mm. everything you could think of under the sun. Oh, cool. And so every week I would have a new uh, idea, a new goal. I would try and figure out the best way to reach that goal. And I would go after it. Would that be the title? Blank, Blank Brandon Scott Wolf? Yeah, oh, cool. I think it's a great title. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that works. That's good.
Like underscore, 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 <laughs> underscore Brandon Scott Wolf and could fill in what that week's thing is. How many underscores? Because then people start to play Hangman. Probably five to six. Five, okay. Would they be connected in one line? Or Yeah, just like... I think that stylistically looks nice, right? That looks like a nice... You could see it. You're I the like heads it. of Comedy Central, like it, correct? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's I do actually it. have no imagination mm. whatsoever. I just count numbers. <laughs> I think it would be a really fun show just to start my own cult one week and then figure out like a town in Alabama <laughs> that needs a cult yeah. devoid of a cult. And I'd go down there, see what the people like and then start my own cult and become a God on earth. How great would that be? Is this scripted or non-scripted? It could be either or okay. I could see it as a comedy central docu- we need, we reality. Need, we need to know. I feel like <laughs> a docu reality would be great. Okay. Yeah. That's so cool. So the, the date Brandon Scott Wolf site, you're still going through all these profiles. I've so I initially went through most of them. You haven't made it through all of them yet. I I've looked at all of them, but I haven't like had like a close up look at everyone and be like, now that's someone who I could really date. Okay. Because like I have looked at some profiles and then I'm like, oh, is this person in New York? And then I'll like look the girl up on like Facebook or yeah. Twitter and be like, oh, this person's a real person. Oh, she lives in Oregon, or mm-hmm. this person's a real person. Oh, she's in Nebraska or Brazil or something like that. Would, like, would, well, no one's here. Would any of them fly you out? I don't know. They know your, they know your income status. I feel like that's another great idea for a TV show. Fly Brandon Scott Wolf out <laughs> for a date, <laughs> or just date Brandon Scott Wolf, and I go around and I date everyone. Yeah, it's or it's like a bachelor type show where you bring people in, and I'm like, I don't know why I'm here. This doesn't have legs for more than a season. Hope I find love. This is fine. <laughs> here at Comedy Central, we'll give you that budget to fly out. I feel like it's more of like an ABC show at that point. I'm sorry, Comedy Central, but I'm going to have to walk away from you too. <laughs> They'll be back. <laughs> they all come crawling back to Comedy Central. Are you using other dating sites and or apps? At the same time? The only... I'm not using any right now. The only site that I have used in the past is Tinder. I was on Hinge for a week, but I never went on a date. Hinge is similar to Tinder, but like it's like friends of friends. Right. And that's it. Tinder, I've gone on a few dates. Mm-hmm. One of the dates I went on, I got hit by a taxi during. That was a good time. Ooh. It was a slow-moving taxi. Okay. Less than 20 miles per hour. <laughs> and if a bike was coming at me, I would much rather get hit by the taxi again. Because like, I just like grabbed the hood, and I was like, it's fine. And then we walked to another bar, and I was like, well, getting hit by a car on a date is not very smooth. So, What's been your worst uh, Tinder story? My worst Tinder story? I went to a comedy show with my roommate, Bill, who does some stand-up. Mm-hmm. And then we went to the bar where I was supposed to meet this girl, but it was only... You took your friend? It was an hour and a half before the date, so I was like, let's grab a drink because I don't want to go back to the apartment. It takes an hour to get back. Right. So it makes no sense. I don't want to sit here by myself. He said, sure, let's do that. Yeah. So I went there with him and it was getting uh, closer to the date and the girl who I was supposed to see still wasn't like messaging me back. She was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll come. I'll see you this time. But like three hours earlier, she didn't message me. I messaged her an hour like beforehand just be like hey just wanted to make sure you were still on your way yeah she never showed up and so bill and i just kept margaritas alone and we just had a night to ourselves sounds great so it was a it was a fun time (laughs) just having like a tender person like stand you up is kind of sad yeah do you know do you even know if she was real maybe you were a cat what is it called catfish catfish yeah i don't know she 
I believe she was visiting from Florida and she had a few days in New York City left. Mm. And I was like, that sounds fun. You seem like a really nice person. Because the night before, we talked at length on Tinder, like Mm. for like four hours. And she's like, all right, just going to go to the MoMA tomorrow during the day. And then she messaged me, I believe well into the night and was like hey sorry like my feet hurt from walking around all day and i like i didn't have a chance to charge my phone and i was like all right yeah well it's an okay excuse yeah i guess yeah but still an excuse still is the worst yeah if that's the worst that's not bad right i haven't had the worst i haven't had anyone like try and stab me during a date yeah or push me in front of a train have you learned any sort of etiquette with online dating? Like with Tinder, I've learned that I shouldn't exchange too many texts back and forth. Like I shouldn't get too close to the girl before we've met. Cause that happened once where like, we really were hitting it off and we we're just texting all day, every day. I'm like, this is going to be great. And then we meet and it's just, she's like really, really, really unattractive. Like, her pictures are just... <laughs> I sound like such a jerk. You just weren't into her. So not into her. But her pictures were also, like, so... I'm not even sure those pictures were her. Like, it was, like, kind of a weird so version of So you were catfished. It was dishonest. I feel like she would know that those pictures don't really resemble her in real life. But then I felt like such a jerk because we already were had this bond. That's catfishing. You were just catfished. I, I don't, I mean, is she supposed to look at her pictures and be like, well, it shows me in too good of a light. Too Let me right. have some more realistic everyday pictures of myself. I have angles. There are angles that work for me and other angles don't. <laughs> Every angle, everybody can look good in a picture with the right angle. Right. right. You need the yeah. angle. Yeah. Well, that's the weird thing is that we're trying to put our best face forward. I feel like if you have the date locked down, you mm-hmm. should stop talking to the person you're going to go out with until the date, because yeah. all you can do is screw up your chance of actually meeting in person. Right. It's already, we're going to meet, let's just see what happens then. And then you're also going to run out of things to talk about, because if you're texting someone and you're like, oh, I know about your brother and your parents are splitting up. <laughs> And See, this is you like thing. art. You don't. Have, what are you going to talk about when you get there? You're like, oh, you still like art? <laughs> you still have a brother? <laughs> Good. <laughs> you still have parents? Oh, they died. I'm sorry. It's terrible. Right. It's that sort of a situation. You're like, oh no. Well, yeah. I have uh, another vodka cranberry. I'll get another one of these. Thank you. So, okay, so this that's like part of my yardstick for gauging whether a date is good or not is like how much I know about their family. If I know too much on their first date, if I know too much about their brother, sisters, cousins, and their art obsession, you got to know if they yeah. like art, if they don't like art, if they don't like art, the deal is off. Yeah, I would be totally happy to talk about art, but a lot of times they just there's no creative conversation. And then you know all these facts about their family and their cousins and brothers and sisters. And see, I find it interesting. Like I've talked with people on Twitter and become friends with people who like live in Chicago or live in California, and like through Tinder, Twitter, oh Twitter, yeah, yeah. And so you'll DM them, <laughs> not even in a romantic sense. Like right. you'll just talk. Sure. And so I've met people. At months after like just talking to them online like that yeah. and I know that person but mm-hmm. it's not like in a romantic sense so if you know someone in a romantic sense and like you're gonna meet up for the first time mm-hmm. and you're like alright this is gonna be like a date kind of thing yeah what is that line there like how much are you supposed to talk to someone yeah that's why it's good because in a romantic sense it's totally different than a friendship sense so you really have to have chemistry and attraction right 
Also, you can be attracted to someone in pictures, but you don't really know what they're like in person. You got to know how like a person walks. Like you could be, you could see. This sounds very Seinfeld. <laughs> this could be so Seinfeld, right? She had hairy hands, <laughs> right? She had hairy hands. I didn't like that. Man George, hands. did you see the hands? Yeah, yeah. She walked in a certain way. No, it's One true. Walks like that. Yeah. She yeah. sat down in a strange way. That's or pretty even good impersonation. Just, uh, something less like comedic, like that. Just how someone reacts to something. You mm-hmm. know, when you say something like, "Did they look shocked or offended, or are they easygoing?" You know. Things like that you can't tell. Body language. Yeah, online or in pictures. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, dating app, Tinder, OkCupid, or any I've of only these? used Tinder, so I, I might, my favorite online dating site is jbrandonscottwolf.com. <laughs> it is the number one online dating site for Brandon Scott Wolf. And I'm obsessed with this online dating. That's why I like Tinder is because there's just no fat to it. It's just like, all right, she's attractive, great, we match, she thinks I'm okay. Let's have a couple texts and let's just meet up. Cut out all the BS about the freaking likes and dislikes, you know? Mm-hmm. I just, because I did OkCupid okay once and it's just too much form filling out. I felt like I should be getting a job after that. There were people on Tinder that I would have like one thing in common with them and I'm like, well, that was a pretty good thing. So you also like Wawa sandwiches? <laughs> all right, I'm on board with you. Yeah, all of it doesn't matter. No. None of it matters. Just you just chemistry. need the one thing where you're like, all right, good. Well, let's meet up. And then you meet up and you're like, oh, I'm, I click with this person. Yeah. It was really intense having a Tinder date on microphones. What was happening? Did you did you go out after for drinks or were you done? No, we drank, we drank a full bottle of wine like right here. Yeah. Just on microphones. And it was the best first date I've ever had just because it was interesting and it was fun. It could have gone horribly wrong. Are you going to have another recording session with her? Not with her, because I don't think I'll be seeing her ever again. Hopefully. What happened at the end of the podcast? We've got to uh, listen to find out. Yeah, you got to listen to find out. I'm not sure the order of release. That'll probably be out by the time this comes out. What a plug I just had for last week's episode <laughs> of the Gary Hour. Yeah, no, that'll already be out. But um, she... You should put that out immediately. Just contact someone at Huffington Post and be like, hey, I'm crazy. I did this thing. And they'll yeah. be like, this crazy guy did this thing. It's a good idea, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Who has broadcast their first dates? I don't think it's been done from my research. So it's pretty cool. I'm excited to put it out there. I and can't believe someone agreed to this. Yes, it was not easy. And I really want to do it again. Do you know how many potential good dates you passed up because you're like, podcast recording session, huh? I know. I probably did. I was just obsessed. But like, I don't know. It's hard to think like a girl because there is that threat, the, you know, the physical threat. But also, why podcast? Why not video record your first date? Ugh, it's so much pressure. Yeah, podcasting, though, is the same amount of pressure. I guess I thought of podcasting because I like doing a podcast and also because I always find first dates to be like an interview. It is an interview. You're yeah. trying to see if the person is compatible for your company. Exactly. For your personal company, your sole proprietorship. I just love that. Do you, right now we're in a basement. Mm-hmm. Do you live in the basement or are you upstairs as well? Uh, this is That's my bedroom right there. So this is downstairs is your whole place. This is my Do you home. have roommates? Just me. There's a lot of wires on the walls, a lot yes. of uh, equipment. Yeah. So you brought a girl in, went down the flight of stairs into a basement, <laughs> and you're like, we're going to record a podcast. She's a brave Matt woman. Matt was here, right? I was not here. I was not, here. I was not, I was not allowed like, to be I, here. I'm the Andy no. Richter. I was, <laughs> You're just I sitting was, in the corner. I was actually in behind that door just peeking in the whole time. Is it going well? Yeah. <laughs> like whispering in. Can I get you anything else to drink? 
I had two bottles of wine. That's great. He should have been here as your waiter. How funny would have that have that, that would have been really funny. I mean, it would have been out. so scary as well. Yeah, I was very... <laughs> this is my podcast date, and here's my buddy. He's my waiter. I think it helped that we had a mutual, like our... We had one or two mutual friends. Oh, okay. So you're not like a serial killer, like in her eyes. Exactly, yeah. Like with me, I went down in the basement. I'm like, I know Gary. I'm not going to get murdered. Yeah, exactly. And then Matt was down here. I was like, I don't know this guy. I'm getting murdered. You haven't now. left yet. But then there was a whole podcast setup. Like, there was no podcast setup in here. Like, this is a legit recording area. Yeah, I'd be is... like, I'm getting killed. Oh yeah, this is very. We were going through like some really nice preamps into some nice compressors. This is like good, good stuff. I, th- I think about this all the time uh, when I get booked on a stand-up show. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, since I don't work a lot of clubs. I do indie shows. Right, bar shows and stuff. Indie shows can be anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so people who I don't know that well uh-huh. will invite me to a show at a random time, say like 11 o'clock at night in Bushwick in yeah. a factory. Uh-huh. And I'm just like happy-go-lucky. I'm going to do eight minutes of stand-up. Right. They could just kill me. <laughs> like if you wanted to kill a stand-up, as long as you're not at like the Jim Gaffigan level or Todd Barry level, yeah, we could just message either of you guys and be like, "Hey, come to this warehouse at this time, and you're done." Oh, totally. But it, like, there's so I lived in Los Angeles for a while, and in Los Angeles, you could steal any car you want. All you have to do is get a blue vest, so you look like a valet guy, stand in front of a restaurant. And people just pull up, and if you're wearing a vest, they just pull up and hand you their keys. That's all. Going. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. And it's like nice cars, really nice cars. Just go to a nice restaurant. And just be so easy. You would get caught within like three hours, though. That's the problem. There's video tape stuff like that. We're all being watched all the time, except for now in this basement. Anything can happen. This basement's the best place to kill me. I'm saying, you guys. I'm not trying to scare you. Go ahead, there's murder no cameras. me. There's lots of wires. You can just choke me out. It'll be great. A real clean murder. Super clean murder. I talk with my buddy about doing this all the time. My my friend Sam Reese. Mm-hmm. She's an improviser. She's in Girls with Brown Hair. Got big glasses. Big glasses. Yeah, so a, funny. I had an improv class with her. We uh, we were joking about setting up like a kill room, like mm-hmm. you see in Dexter, plastic yeah. everywhere. That's what I should have done for the date. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> Having a video camera and then setting it up where Sam is like bludgeoned, where there's like blood all over her, uh-huh. and then seeing her roommate's reaction as she comes in, and yes. I'm in like a plastic uh, raincoat kind of situation You'd with be like the an perfect axe. one because it's and not like. Oh, hey! I didn't yeah. know you were home this early. How's it going? I'm just seeing her, like, freak out and scream. Because it'd be such a good, just, like, prank video. Absolutely. That would go at least 300 views. <laughs> I just want to do more silly pranks. I think that's it. I'm done with stand-up. I'm done with writing. I want silly pranks. Well, there's so many ways to exp- Sorry, there's so many ways to express ourselves, you know? And I love that you did the dating site, because that's such a great comedic expression. It's... I think it's really um, silly to look at your life, look at your career, look at what you're doing, mm-hmm. and just year by year how you progress and what you're falling into. And so, like, if I get like a three picture movie deal in five years, mm-hmm. how did I get there? Was it because I did stand up? That's some of it. But then I made a dating site, and then people are like, oh, he's really creative. Then I would get like a television show mm-hmm. based off the dating site, and people are like, oh, that's a great sitcom. I love this guy. Yeah. Oh, this guy, like, 
all of that because what I said at one point, Oh, it's easy for an average guy like me to get lost in the online dating shuffle. Right. I wish there was a date Brandon Scott Yeah. And, and I think like sometimes you think like everything's been done. You can't do anything funny or interesting or unique anymore, but here's two great examples. Your website and you're doing the podcast with a Tinder date. They both seem obvious. There there's like, I, I want to say there's like five different stories you can tell in a movie or a book. Mm-hmm. And I'm not exactly sure if that's the right number. But <laughs> if you go online and you like Google that, you're like, oh, yeah, those are the only five stories that are left to tell. And even if your story is unique and different, yeah. you're like, it has that attribute that's similar to this movie. It has sure. this that's similar to that. And so I wouldn't say that every good idea has been taken or done already. Mm-hmm. You just need to figure out a new way to tell your story. Right, exactly. It's like the air conditioner. The air conditioner is just a dehumidifier with a fan attached to it. Right, but it's a genius. <laughs> but it's great. It's it keeps... new. It's genius. It's great. It's what you want. It's yeah. hot. Yeah. Let's combine these things to make it cool. Air conditioner is not even that new, but... But, you know, maybe there's a better, cheaper, healthier way to cool your room. We'll work on it. Have you ever yeah. seen the Dyson Airblade? They're no. fans. Oh, but yeah. my God, welcome to the future. Yeah. We're here. It's a... Uh, Plug you, it. You can, you, can, <laughs> you can just, like, walk into a Best Buy, and they have these large circles or oval structures. Put your hand right through the plastic, uh-huh. and it's just freezing cold air everywhere. It's more cool than it is comfortable you yeah. know what i mean yeah well how would it cool your room if you can't have if, if you can't like have an air conditioner say like for one reason or another you're a uh, college student in a yeah. dorm you're not allowed to have an air conditioner that's yeah. your next option and they're like 500 to a thousand dollars they're very Oof. expensive right yeah but it's new technology it's very trendy and fun looking yeah so what's your next what's your next plan now you have another big i'll probably work for dyson yeah, I really like their products. You did a great job plugging Hanson's sodas as well. I, think, I mean, uh, they it's might be Hanson's you. natural cane soda, ginger ale. Mmm, <laughs> tastes so fine. Can you uh, refrigerate, let's say, a soda in one of those Dyson Airblades? Probably mm. not. No. No. Not a not a soda as delicious and refreshing as Hanson's natural cane soda. Mmm. You can't keep it down. With real cane sugar, no caffeine, no preservatives, no sodium, all natural flavors. That's great. This is just a great beverage. It is really delicious. So what are you going to do? You're, you're doing shows around what, what is town. Next? What is next for me? Yeah. Wait, I, waiting for the big epiphany to hit? I am just going to continue doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. More good things are going to happen. and I'm going to work hard and see where I end up. Yeah, I t- like what you said before about ideas. They just hit you, and you don't know when they're ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a work ethic of like trying to sit down and write, and often it doesn't bring fruit, but at least you're putting yourself in that mode. Like, I write every day. I do. try to perform every day. What do you write every day? you write jokes, or are you trying to write uh, So sketch? I'll write jokes. I'll write sketches. Mm-hmm. I'll work on a sitcom pilot that I'm creating. Mm-hmm. I will work on uh, tweets. I think mm-hmm. that's very important to do, just putting yourself out there every day and saying, hey, I am working hard. Look at what I'm producing. Right. This is an idea I had. This is a joke I had. Yeah. And see how many people like it. Yeah. Because a lot of the time, my jokes, my ideas, I'll put them out there. And if a lot of people online like it, I'm like, oh, then this is a no-brainer. Let's right. go that's with something. what the people want. Yep. Yep. You ever feel concerned, like, 
someone's going to steal a joke or something like that if you put it on Twitter? No, mainly because it's time stamped. Right. You can. I have a lot of stand-up sets that are online, but they're hidden, and only I can access them on YouTube. Yeah. Just because I'm like, oh, I had this set from three years ago where I said this. And, like, if you're going to talk with someone about, like, oh, you stole my joke, a lot of it is the lateral thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's only certain, you know, so many ways you can tell a joke or that's a good idea so you uploaded your material to youtube just so to time time stamp it yeah i have it right and i can make it go public any day yeah i can just a, be like oh i have this all from my five stuff's years on ago. youtube i'm like i don't want to make that public right <laughs> but i just like to watch it on youtube as if it were public hide it or whatnot <laughs> and so you can see yourself progress as well right yeah i love i mean i hate it but i love knowing that there are videos of me from five years ago where i do 10 minutes of awful material Uh and i'm just like look at how much i've grown yeah yeah because i remember i did just for laughs in chicago four or five years ago at this point Mm -hmm. and people were talking to me like seasoned professionals and they were like hey if you're here right now no matter what reason you're here for Mm -hmm. i won a college comedy contest that's why i was there performing right they're like think about how good you're going to be in five years think about how good you're going to be in 10 years and in 20 years and 30 years if you pursue stand-up comedy if you pursue comedy writing right because you're going to meet all of these really smart great people that are going to work with you and you're going to be surrounded by them and you're just gonna be the best you you can be Mm -hmm. so how much of that is uh in Improving your delivery, how much of that is improving your writing? All of it. Both. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. If you put in the work, you're going to get better. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about stand-up is that as you just keep putting in the time, you just get more material, and then you could cut out the material that's not as good as the better material. So, like, for myself, I started performing stand-up about six, six and a half years ago. Okay. And I was performing in college and i was doing more storytelling mm-hmm. style stand up more personal stuff about my life my family mm-hmm. and i won the national college comedy competition that rooftopcomedy.com and tbs put on yeah and then i moved back to philadelphia after graduation and you won that based on a stand up set i won that based off of a tournament that they put together with okay. 64 colleges i believe cool and All they whittled stand it down up. yeah nice so we were stand-up teams i went to penn state university and mm-hmm. i was um the top four at penn state because at first you had to find the best at your school right and so i got into the top four there and then we took on i believe duke university and then we took on a team at myu and then a team at Emerson, nice. and then we were in the final four. And then out of the final four, judges selected, and they picked Penn State as the funniest college in the nation, and then they selected me as the funniest college student, nice. which I couldn't believe because that is such a lofty title. Mm-hmm. And to ever think, oh, you are the funniest comedian, something that's objective and not... Right, yeah. It's comedy. It's yeah. not like I scored the most points, I did it. Like right. There's no way of really putting that out there. Yeah. But I did that... And then I went But it's home. still rewarding and it's still like, oh, that's something. Yeah, it's I worked encouraging. hard. I worked hard for two two and a half years yeah. at college. And yeah. I was doing stand up in the Philadelphia area on breaks. And then I went home to the Philly area after graduation. I didn't have a manager, I didn't have an agent, nothing really came out of that mm-hmm. experience outside of, you know, getting a few credits and You got on Lopez, George Lopez tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. got a cough now. I saw that. How are we gonna edit this out? I got a cough. Cough what, it what, up. What, 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 <laughs> what are we doing now? Just me and Mumbling in the cough. I'm not even coughing now. Should I cough? I'm not cough, cough it up. <coughs> it's 
Oh, that was great. All the uh, systems jumped. <laughs> <on your head. laughs> uh, excuse me. Uh, so, yeah, I, I did the college comedy contest, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of fun, and I got better as a comic. I saw that. I went home to the Philly area. There weren't many outlets for me to perform stand-up because I live an hour outside of Philadelphia, so mm-hmm. I would have to drive in, and I would do a mic every once in a while, but it wasn't consistent. Right. Like in New York City, I'm doing one, two, three shows a night, mm-hmm. depending on the night. Are you, do you, are you out seven nights a week? I'm out probably five nights a week. Okay, yeah. Because I'll bartend at UCB. Like today, I'm bartending at UCB, but I'm also running the open mic there. So I'll get to perform at least two or three minutes of stand-up and then work tonight. Right. Oh, the Thursday mic is still on. Yeah. I always forget that. That's the only one left, right? Sign-up is at 545. Okay. Plug in that mic. Get there, you guys. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I do the first two Thursdays of the month and then there's an all women's mic, the third Thursday of the month and then an all. Do you do that one as well? No, I'm not allowed. You're not allowed to. I'm not allowed. No No. exceptions for. No, unfortunately not. Hard as I try to do as many mics as possible. Imagine we started an all male mic. You mean an open mic? Yeah. (laughs) A regular open (laughs) mic. (laughs) All white male mic. That's it. Straight white men. (laughs) Uh, I was in uh, Philly, I did that, and then I came up here. So when I moved up here about two, two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. I didn't really do that much stand-up in that year and a half break. Mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of sketch comedy. I was doing a lot of uh, writing Weekend Update-style jokes with Hire Me SNL. Did you do the improv uh, curriculum at UCB? No, I've never done that. I, I did 101, and I hurt my back during a warm-up game. <laughs> <laughs> so I would never, I never went through that. that. Zip, zap, zap, really mm-hmm. stretched that. Oh, it was a hot spot. Ah. <laughs> I, I sang a song and uh, tweeted right. back. Yeah, I tried to do uh, Kid Rock's "Ba Wada Ba." Oh, that's pretend to be Kid Rock. And man, oh man, only Kid Rock can be Kid Rock. Wow, can't do it. So when I came up here, I, I essentially I changed the way I do stand up. Uh huh. Changed your style completely. Yeah, because it was like a fresh start. Mm-hmm. I had all these new jokes that I wrote over two years. A lot of them were weekend update style, set mm-hmm. up punchline or one liners. And I was like, oh, I have to deliver them this way because I can't memorize that much. And I'm like, rusty. And so I came in and I started doing it like that. Yeah, that would be the hard thing for me to you because like i can remember all my jokes because it's just like a chunk like i'll be like dating and then it's like five minutes of dating and i got them all like you know but i don't think i'd be able to remember all the one-liners so well by and large mine are all chunks now if you actually break it down it's like oh, oh yeah. here are three jokes about living in a new, uh, up-and-coming neighborhood in new york here are three jokes about scientology here okay. are three jokes about pita bread yeah that would be way more easy to remember right and so like i they are one-liners, and they do seem like they aren't connected, but mm-hmm. like there are connections you can There's make. There's a thread there. I'm like, oh, yeah, these five one-liners are about movies and acting. So like I can chunk them together. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's good. Yeah. So, yeah, anything else that we missed? Thanks a lot for coming and doing this. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm sorry I coughed a minute ago. It ruined the whole podcast. <laughs> the whole thing. I, I think the cough was so loud that it deleted everything before it. Uh, hopefully that's not the case. But, <laughs> if you know, the recording is still there. We'll, we'll fix it in post. That's what Absolutely. people say, right? Yes. Fix it in the Fix mix. it in post. Yeah, it's all great. There. Thank you guys for uh, talking and hanging sure, out. Yeah, yeah thanks, like Brandon Scott. Well, for doing it. I feel like I'm turning it again to be like, oh, thank you for coming on my podcast. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate well, it. Well, you can always tell when someone has their own podcast. Can you? Is yeah, yeah. A- you could tell. Oh, you could tell when someone has a lot of experience with the microphone. 
I also went to school for print journalism and journalism in general. Mm-hmm. And so I was always comfortable interviewing people mm-hmm. and being like, oh, I need these quotes. I need to ask these questions. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. Right, right. And you're like, wait, you were the, yeah. Right. And it was like, well, now I'm the guest, so I can't do that anymore. You know, it's fine because this is just a conversation anyway. It was a great conversation. Yeah. We talked about death. We, we talked about yeah. sharks. We talked about Hire Me SNL. Yeah. We talked about Gary's date that he recorded live in this murder basement. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to get that out for sure. All right, we got to get you out of here. Thanks so much, Brandon. It's awesome. Thank you, Thank guys. You. Yeah. Thank you.